ourselves. Uh, so I went out and I got a job at one of the largest law firms in Chicago. And for a while, I, I was doing everything that I thought I was supposed to do. I had a fancy office, a big fat paycheck, and a, and a, a really impressive line on my resume. But then when I was 26 years old, one of my best friends from college in the world died of cancer suddenly. She was gone. Less than a year later, my father passed away after battling multiple sclerosis for years. And just like that, I had lost two of the people I loved most in the world. That was it. And for months, I felt like I couldn't breathe. I have this almost physical sense of, of loss, this gaping emptiness in my life, and, and I couldn't figure out how to fill it. I, I spent a lot of time mourning and questioning and, and reflecting, and I thought a lot about everything my dad had done for me during his life. I thought about how, her, how, how hard my dad worked to provide for our family. I thought about how, no matter how sick my father was feeling, he still woke up every morning and he did his job at the city water plant and he did it without complaint or, or regret. And you see, as I tell many people, my dad did, did not have the chance to attend college himself. But he and, and my mom, they saved and they sacrificed, they poured everything they had into me and my brother because they wanted us to get an education they could only dream of. And while pretty much all of my college tuition was covered from loans and, and grants, my dad still paid a small portion of that tuition himself. And let me tell you, every semester, he was determined to pay his little contribution right on time. He was so proud to be sending his kids to college. And he couldn't bear the thought of me or my brother missing that registration deadline because his check was late. As I grieved, I, I came to realize that the best way for me to honor my dad's life was by how I lived my own life. I realized that the best way to fill the hole he had left was to do for other young people what he had done for me. So I left that fancy law firm and I wound up ultimately running a nonprofit organization that trained young people for careers in public service. Yeah, I took a pay cut that made my mother cringe. <laughs> and my new office wasn't nearly as nice as, as the old one. But, but with every student I mentored, with every service project I organized, I felt my, my grief recede just a little bit. I, I still miss my dad, and, and I always will. But slowly, I felt myself beginning to heal. I, I felt myself becoming whole again. And, and all of us go through periods of sadness like this. All of us do. We, we, we all feel at times a little bit lost. And we all uh, have some kind of emptiness that we're searching to fill. And often it is only through serving others that we find what's been missing in our own lives. And, and like so many of you, through service, I was able to find what I needed and carve a path for my life that truly felt like my own. And that brings me to the final lesson that all of you have taught us. And, and that is the power of inventing the future. And I, I know you hear this phrase all the time, but today 
I just want to pause for a moment on the word invent because the phrase isn't succeed in the future, it's not plan for the future or do the best you can in the future, it's invent the future. And with those three words comes a simple message, a, a call to chart your own course and live life on your own terms. And that's a lesson that I first learned back when I was a teenager. And some of you may have grown up like I did in neighborhoods where kids uh, had, had, very few of them had the chance to go to college, where being teased for doing well in school was just a fact of life, uh, where well-meaning but misguided folks questioned whether a girl with my background could get into the kinds of colleges I dreamed of attending. But I worked hard and I did my best to tune out those voices of doubt, including the ones inside my own head. And eventually I was accepted to Princeton and I got that education that my dad had always dreamed of. But the truth is there will always be folks who make assumptions about you based on superficial things like where you're from or what you're wearing or how you look. There will always be folks who judge you based on just one thing that you say or do, folks who define you based on one isolated incident. And I know you all know a thing or two about what that's like. But you also know that in the end, people can only define you if you let them. In the end, it's up to each of us to define ourselves. It's up to each of us to invent our own future with the choices we make and the actions we take. You should never view your challenges as a disadvantage. Instead, it's important for you to understand that your experience facing and overcoming adversity is actually one of your biggest advantages. And I know that because I've seen it myself, not just as a student working my way through school, but years later, when I be, after I came, before I came to the White House and I worked as a dean at a college, in that role, I encountered students who had every advantage. Their parents paid their full tuition. They lived in beautiful campus dorms. They had every material possession a college kid could want, cars, computers, spending money. But when some of them got their first bad grade, they just fell apart. <laughs> they lost it because they were ill-equipped to handle their first encounter with disappointment or falling short. Life will put many obstacles in your path that are far worse than a bad grade. You'll, you'll have unreasonable bosses and difficult clients and patients. You'll experience illnesses and losses, crises and setbacks that will come out of nowhere and knock you off your feet. But unlike so many other young people, you have already developed the resilience and the maturity that you need to pick yourself up and dust yourself off and keep moving through the pain. Keep moving forward. You have developed that muscle. And please, please always, always do your part to help others do the same. And as I end my time in the White House, I can think of no better message to send to our young people in my last official remarks as First Lady. So for all the young people in this room and those who are watching, 
know that this country belongs to you, to all of you, from every background and walk of life. If you or your parents are immigrants, know that you are part of a proud American tradition, the infusion of new cultures, talents and ideas, generation after generation, that has made us the greatest country on earth. If your family doesn't have much money, I want you to remember that in this country, plenty of folks, including me and my husband, we started out with very little, but with a lot of hard work and a good education, anything is possible, even becoming president. <laughs> That's what the American dream is all about. If you are a person of faith, Know that religious diversity is a great American tradition, too. In fact, that's why people first came to this country, to worship freely. And whether you are Muslim, Christian, Jewish, Hindu, Sikh, these religions are teaching our young people about justice and compassion and honesty. So I want our young people to continue to learn and practice those values with pride. You see, our, our glorious diversity, our diversities of faiths and colors and creeds, that is not a threat to who we are. It makes us who we are. So the young people here and the young people out there, do not ever let anyone make you feel like you don't matter or like you don't have a place in our American story because you do and you have a right to be exactly who you are. <laughs> but I also want to be very clear. This right isn't just handed to you. No, this right has to be earned every single day. You cannot take your freedoms for granted. So don't be afraid. You hear me? Young people, don't be afraid. Be focused. <laughs> be determined. Be hopeful. Be empowered. Empower yourselves with a good education. Then get out there and use that education to build a country worthy of your boundless promise. Lead by example with hope, never fear. And know that I will be with you, <laughs> rooting for you and working to support you for the rest of my life. And that is true, I know, for every person who are here, is here today and for educators and advocates all across this nation who get up every day and work their hearts out to lift up our young people. And I am so grateful to all of you for your passion and your dedication.